foot pointing behind the ball. This is a tip-off that you are starting to position the ball in your stance. With your right foot in place, step in with your left. Just position it relative to where you want to play the ball. If you have a 5-iron, the ball should be about 4 inches inside your left heel. Then step out with your right foot, widening your stance until comfortable. With your stance and ball position set, take a final look at your target, then return your eyes to the ball and fire. So remember, learn to step into the shot the right way and your swing will take care of itself. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. Switch to T-Mobile for business and get up to 90 days of service free via virtual rebate on your business plan. You get a great deal, the largest 5G network, and first-class benefits like Microsoft 365 on us. It's better for business and only with T-Mobile for business. Limited time offer. Stop in-store for details. Plus taxes and fees for some plans. Virtual Express MasterCard within eight weeks of receipt of valid submission. Complete port within 60 days. See T-Mobile.com for 5G devices coverage and plan details. To celebrate State Farm's surprisingly great rates, we gave this song surprisingly great lyrics. State Farm, prices meant just for you. That's what I said now. Prices, prices that surprise you. Just go ahead now. Keep that money in your pockets. And I'll sell bread now. Save up. Maybe one day buy a rocket. Just get a cool now. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's with joy that the student-athletes are returning to the fields and courts. But it doesn't feel quite the same. Where have the people gone? Seems like there's no one hanging on. Cut out, cut out, cut out, cut out. What is this cut out talk? In 2020-21, the people may be cutouts, but there are still games, and there are still tailgate shows. They're still broadcast. And through it all, there is still the Joe Beaver Show, a place to gather at proper distances to talk about it all, to talk about what we do have. And it looks like we're ready to give it one more try. So, such as it is, we're ready to give it one more try with John and Mike and the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into a busy show today on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren. Open phones right from the outset if you have anything you'd like to share relative to what we've been talking about, what we didn't talk about yesterday, and we appreciated the many of you who were keeping us apprised with respect to the developing story about Tiger Woods. We certainly mentioned it and mentioned it several times along the way. We're very Saddened, surprised by it, even as we were beginning an interview with Larry Stone of the Seattle Times, who expressed a similar sense of, wow, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough story. And the day proceeded with uh, intensive coverage on ESPN and other outlets throughout the day. And we're not that much further along we know more clearly than we did 24 hours ago when the show began and the news broke about a half hour 45 minutes into uh, the joe beaver show yesterday but if you have anything you want to say about it I, I know that it's one of those types of stories where i don't know what what does one 
say other than, well, that's really sad and let's hope uh, for the best for, for Tiger in his bid to recover. And I don't know what much more to say about it. I, uh, the late Larry King was asked once on one of his national talk shows, I was listening at the very moment, this was in 1980, a month or so after Mount St. Helens or a couple of weeks, May 18th of 80, a month or two later, Larry King goes to, you know, let's go to uh, Seattle, Washington. Hello. And the caller said, what do you think of Mount St. Helens? You know, Larry said, well, am I supposed to have an opinion about a volcano? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. I think it's a bad volcano. I mean, I'm not sure what Larry, <laughs> how he was supposed to answer the question, but that's, and he moved on quickly. Dubuque, hello. I mean, he just moved on, didn't even spend any time. Clearly a, an amazing natural phenomenon. But what do you think about it? Yeah, Larry didn't have a thought other than what am I supposed to say about a volcano? That was not what the caller was hoping for. No, the caller wanted him to speak to the issue. Yeah, and just how amazing and it was. And all what? of that. But it is a, it's a lazy way of... of uh, bring that up i i don't like surprises and i've got a surprise here i'm dealing with mm -hmm. with my headphones joshua but as it is uh, yeah that's a funny re response because every once in a while we'll get calls like that and, and what i don't I, I think Romy struck as he usually does the right note he in fact i think he invariably does with respect to stories like this i did find it interesting to listen to him today mm-hmm and maybe the two worlds, maybe in your own mind, I, I'd be interested uh, to hear. If you have any thoughts along these lines, feel free on the University Honda text line or the phone lines at 497-5356. We won't belabor this. The, the national shows have, and for good reason. Ben Braun, the former Cal coach, and he'll be working with Ted Robinson tomorrow on the Pac-12 Networks with the call of the Beavers game at Cal. Ben Really interesting man, very good coach, will join us at about 11.20 this morning. Ryan Ober at 12.05, and I believe the news has already broken. You should check and see just in case about Ryan. It's good news for Ryan and his weekend, and if it hasn't broken yet, it's forthcoming very soon from the Pac-12, if I may uh, be so bold, sir. As somebody said to Jack Nichols, if if I may be so bold, sir, I'm saying to you, Jeevesy, how you doing, Jeevesy? You've always been the caretaker. One of the better scenes in the Stephen King. Anyway, if I may be so bold, sir, to say I think Ryan, some good news for Ryan is coming. It, whether it's out officially or not, he'll join us at 12.05. And then at 12.30 today, former Beaver, national champion, Scored the run against Michigan that Joey Wong knocked in the one and only hit off Zach Putnam in the Super Regional against Michigan at Goss in 2007. A, a memorable moment in his life and all of our lives who watched it and were there and experienced it. Braden Wells, who was the pinch runner and scored the run to give the Beavers a one nothing victory on the only hit they garnered against Zach Putnam uh, in the top of the ninth inning. Braden will join us at 12.30. He's a former assistant at Grand Canyon University. He's back in the state of Arizona now, former assistant at Lynn Benton Community College. And I just I, and he has coached up members of the Oregon State roster that are now from LB that have moved over to 
in a sense, the call-up. I hate to use the term JVs, but it almost has that kind of feel to it. Mm -hmm. These guys move up to the varsity and are playing well and making contributions. It, it almost strikes me, I hope, a little bit like Kansas City to the New York Yankees back in the 50s uh, when the Kansas City Athletics were almost a farm team <laughs> for the Yankees and subsequent Yankee stars and other heroes. LB does a very good job. Gippy, Andy Peterson, the other coaches who work there with the Oregon State Connections have done a tremendous job in developing players, coaching players up, and helping them get ready, which is essentially the stated goal of all who do uh, attempt to play baseball at the junior college level. They all want to play and get sure. good enough to be noticed and recognized and moved up. So Braden will join us. That's the lay of the land. Ben Braun, Ryan Ober, Braden Wells for Great today. lineup. Tomorrow, the new running backs coach, A.J. Mm -hmm. Stewart, will join us. Todd McKim will join us tomorrow. Uh, so we're working on a number of things, as always, as the week progresses. Today, a little after 1 o'clock when this show ends, we will have the pleasure of visiting with Talia von Olhoffen for this week's Beaver Sports Podcast. So we got a lot going on and a lot we've been researching and thinking about, mulling over, talking over. The Tiger Woods story is central on the national scene, as well it should be for a figure of his stature. The one thing I did note, Romy strikes... He struck the right note today in dealing very sensitively with the frightening accident the Tiger underwent and the amazing comebacks he's already been involved with in his career, what's ahead of him now in trying to, to come back again if that even happens. I mean, that's way down the road thinking right. about whether he'll play golf again. But what did strike me, I, I know that the, the show that, that – Romy does is all built on, I, I, I suppose to a certain level, it's all fun and games. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you step incorrectly, if, you, if you're involved in things that uh, are less than uh, noble, are less than stellar, your character flaws, you fall short, you make bad decisions, you do stupid things, maybe you're even involved in things that are borderline criminal and negligent. You, you as every article I read, about Tiger yesterday and reviewing his career was winning all these turns, then, then went into a slump, cheating on his wife with multiple women was just almost one of those clauses. Tiger Woods, who in 2009 was found to be cheating on his wife with multiple women, just almost like on his resume, won the Masters in 1997, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, cheated mm -hmm. on his wife with multiple women in these years. You know what I mean? It was almost just, and, and, and that's part of the record. I get it. It's part of who, who apparently, who he is, what he's done, how he's lived. That's yeah. according to the Associated Press and so on. So, therefore, that type of thing, I suppose, is fodder. But Romy and others take that. And, and so now Rome today is right in striking the note of sympathy, empathy, and hope for Tiger. Yeah. It, it, can one separate out the fun that you have in clowning and mocking somebody else for their indiscretions, their sins, their peccadilloes, their, their faults, their shortcomings, and make sport of that, and then come back today. Oh, boy, we really, you know what I mean? Yes, you can. I believe you can, and I think Rome of course. is doing it. But that's part of the reason why I hope we don't engage 
really ever in let's find what we can out there to lampoon and ridicule today. Right, right. No, um, and, and the opposite of that, this morning's programming, the take was, you know, if you look at Tiger's overall uh, work, He's such a, 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 a national figure and came on the scene and, his, and, and, and everything, and the entire scope of his career was, was laid out. And Tra- Clay Travis basically said, you know, the only thing that is the negative parts and everything are just basically he can be accused of being a bad wife or a bad husband, uh, maybe a bad father for, for doing what he did in, in his personal life. But as far as the golf world, uh, there was a couple of things where he fired his, his uh, you know, fluff, fluff, you know, fluff, the swing coach and all that, that was really a blip on the screen of anything controversial golf wise. But, you know, it's basically all the stuff about Tiger and anything that's negative is his personal life. And you have to separate that out. Yeah, you, you do. You do. And, and I think it's. I guess that's okay on, on a certain level. And maybe when the famous, when the celebrities and the famous athletes and stars are indeed in the public eye, they're subjected to it. And, yeah. and, and rightly so, I guess, because there's a level of accountability that is built into, okay, you are this person that's on a pedestal or this person that's garnering millions and billions of dollars. You're this person. I've The thing that's always bothered me a little bit about it, though, Johnny, is this. They, it, it, it's very easy. To me, the easiest thing in the world is to mock, lampoon, and ridicule. Right. And we're all, because all of us stumble and fall in so many ways that – I, you could spend a lot of time yeah. on me in the next 10 minutes. Well, my turn on you. Now, what about you? And, and me, And absolutely. here we go with everybody we know. Yeah. So, therefore, it's just, I, I, I'm not, I love Rome's show. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just, I'm mentioning Rome because he's on every day before us for a couple right. of hours right. and he'll be on after us. I really like him. I do. But the, the avenue, the direction that material in life, things that happen are just fodder to mock it's an approach. It's a, it's more of an overall approach that wearies me. And then, you know, how many times has he played the sound by, hey, it's Tiger, you know, when he's calling some, yeah. leaving a voicemail message or whatever else. Just constant for years and years and years. Then something like this happens. And, you know, I don't mind so much when Romy has taken liberties with the the almost robotic. I used to laugh. I'll tell you. I mean, you, you, if you don't like it, you better not enjoy it. Well, okay. I mean, I, I do laugh occasionally when he used to play the sound bites strung together of the robotic tiger. Yeah. My swing feels good. The course looks good. I like my that, chances. That's not bad. That's kind yeah. of um, making fun of the way he sounds, yeah. comes across, and right. you're thinking, loosen up, man. Loosen yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. So, he, but the whole point of this is here we are in the Mid Valley in Oregon today. We're not going to stay here. We're moving on to other things. But he's generated conversation nationally in every local show and market. You've probably watched a little bit of the news coverage yourself. We're somewhat interested in, in hearing about the story, mm-hmm. maybe very interested. I know we spent time at home yesterday watching ESPN and Hannah Storm and the coverage. Uh, that ESPN was according to the story and certainly hoping that that Tiger would have the best possible outcome considering the dire circumstances. 
The point is, he's been somebody who's been a part of our lives in the sporting world for a long time. Mm -hmm. One of my daughter's first memories that she can recall when Tiger won his Masters in record fashion in 97. She remembers, and I'm holding her, she's two, a little over two, and, and Tiger became somebody, she even said later when he'd be on when she was growing up, there's Tiger how's tiger doing you know that type of thing as a three and four year old yeah because early on her dad was holding her in front of a television set watching tiger do that amazing thing right. at augusta in 97 when she was a little two-year-old in my arms so tiger woods for her whole life has been somebody she's been aware of and known mm-hmm. and cared about in a sense sure a whole generation yeah um i did you in all of the coverage that you heard did you hear anything covered about the actual hill that he crashed on and everything? Because this morning on Clay Travis, Petros Papadakis did a tremendous breakdown because that's his neighborhood. He says when the helicopters pull out on a wide shot and you see that high school football field, he said, that was my high school. Hmm. And he said that hill, and I can think of many. Petros w- went to that high yeah. school? Yeah, wow. and he lives there. He lives yeah. a mile away from the crash site. Okay. And he, um, I can think of many hills like this in the Portland area, going over the top of Burnside, that kind of thing, where if you're not a local, sometimes hills go very steep and you gain a lot of speed, and then at the bottom around a blind corner is a stoplight. There might be a sign warning you, but you don't necessarily look at it. And he said that on that hill, there are accidents quite a lot. In fact, Susie wrote in to say that uh, she had heard there was an accident on that same hill the same day as Tiger. And so it's very common. He didn't have, there was nothing about him that was impaired. Petros did opine that maybe being late for this this TV shoot with Justin Herbert and Drew Brees that he might have looked at his yeah. at his clo- his yeah. his phone or for clock or watch or whatever because he was late and then because Clay said well how do you lose control of your vehicle and he said it's an easy one to do on yeah. that hill because you gain speed without really knowing it mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. at the bottom there's a there's a light and he said happens all the time yeah I, I well believe it and that seemed to come up in a lot of the reports we did see yesterday and, and on the other part too for me mockery and derision i i only get on other celebrities if what their actions do hurt other people but if they go and cheat on somebody or you know do something to themselves that that's their business yeah that's, i got you i i i understand i'm just you know, that, that I just noticed was part of every story I read yesterday. Sure. You know, uh, sure. Uh, Tiger Woods, uh, comma. Uh, oh, yeah, no, that's what just, the media yeah. does. It, the, all the media does, to, uh, yeah. not just Rome. Oh, if, I know. If someone of high mm-hmm. level and would, no matter what they do, it's just they're, they're camping right. out. And I guess what I've always thought, too, and it, rightly or wrongly, but what I— the off-field court behavior of athletes, generally speaking, while it may be the most important thing in the big picture of life in the long run, right? I've generally been, okay, yeah. <laughs> what they do, and Ted Williams was like this, yeah, I may be curmudgeonly to you, but I hit 344, and I just come watch me play, you come watch me be a baseball player. You may not like my abrasiveness, how I'm curt, I, I spit occasionally, I... All of those things, we'd rather feel mm-hmm. warm and good about all of our heroes. We would. I get yeah. that. But I don't mind going to Fenway and watching him hit 406 either. Let's take a – I mean, that, that may be enough in its own right. <laughs> right. And so 15, 15 majors may be enough in its own right just for what it's meant to a generation who appreciate the technical skill and artistry 
in competitiveness, et cetera. Anyway, I, I, I'm probably totally wrong about that. If you have any thoughts, feel free to share them. 497-5356 on the University Honda text line. Back with Coach Ben Braun, who will have the call tomorrow with Ted Robinson next on 1240 Joe Radio. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, Corvallis Floor Covering would like to thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and looks forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Stop by and see Wendy, Robin, or Brian and check out their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood floorings, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go beef. Hi, this is Dave from Tom Water. WSU Press, yep, that's the Cougs, has just published my latest book, Lewis and Clark Reframed. In Lewis and Clark Reframed, we will examine how the famous American expedition was influenced by the British explorers, James Cook, George Vancouver, and Alexander Mackenzie, all of whom preceded Lewis and Clark to the Pacific Northwest. Order Lewis and Clark Reframed from WSU Press, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookstore. Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at Middleton Heating. Angry Beaver Grill is open for covered and heated outdoor dining as well as dinner-to-go orders Tuesday through Sunday. Get the favorites including Angry Beaver's Reuben and French Dip Sandwiches, Burgers, Tacos, and the Gables Recipe Chicken Bisque Soup and Garlic Croutons. And don't miss Angry Beaver's Friday and Saturday night famous Gables Smoked Ribeye Steak Dinner Special. Angry Beaver Grill open Tuesday through Sunday from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. for covered and heated outdoor dining in the back of the restaurant. And for carryout on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Angry Beaver, thank you for your support. Hey, Beaver fans. Over the past several months, we all have come together to help each other in this COVID struggle. But would you know how to help a family member or a coworker in the time of an emergency? Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we teach people the skills to help someone in the time of an emergency. I am currently holding both virtual and in-person classes for CPR and first aid. For more information or to schedule a class, contact me at cpr-works.com. Go Beavs! H&R Block has many options to make filing your taxes easy. Our tax pros can help you get your max refund with or without the office visit. Drop in, drop off, or a tax pro can even do your taxes virtually. Send some pics from your phone without leaving home. Just another way, Block has your back. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. This is Serena from your local H&R Block. Last year was full of surprises and tax prep shouldn't be. Visit one of our local six offices today. Don't forget about our Philomath office next to Safeway and the Sunset Shopping Center. Book your appointment today and let us get your maximum refund. The Joe Beaver Show continues, and it's a pleasure to welcome former California head coach Ben Braun. He'll be working tomorrow's game between the Beavers and Cal at Haas Pavilion with another good friend of the show over the years, the outstanding broadcaster, Ted Robinson. It's a pleasure to welcome Coach Braun to the show. Ben, I, I think we did this one other time a few years ago, but I'm glad that we've been able to make a connection with you. I enjoy your work. I enjoyed your time when you were coaching at Cal and really appreciate you joining our show today. How are you? Well, thanks. No, I, I many fond memories of uh, our games against the Beavers. 
so much so that um, I, I enjoyed Corvallis a lot. Um, in fact, our teams were eleven and one there, so I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't need to remind us. There. I, yeah. I, I can't explain that. Somebody said, "How did you guys have so much success there?" I said, "Probably we had better players. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we had some pretty good players." The one, if I remember, Coach, and I wasn't planning on talking about this. The one, yeah, yeah. the one I think was was that the Nick DeWitt's game where you had trouble handling him uh, and Sasha Chuich yeah, and I some think others. It was. Yeah. it was also the game that Leon Poe didn't play, and so if he didn't play, uh, you know, it became a little challenging. But you know, we were proud. There were some good uh, teams down through the years. I, I don't care if it was Jay John's teams or Eddie and uh, some of those coaches that were there. I mean, there really were some talented players. We I don't know what it was. We just seemed to play well in Gill Coliseum. I, I can't explain it because there were some, we played against some good teams there, but you know, we, we did have some talent. So thankfully we were able to, to have some success, but uh, no, I've always enjoyed our interviews over the years and um, I, I missed the, missed the competition. Ben was, I've wondered about this and, and I'll ask you as a visiting coach, you did have success in Gill, but I remember Henry Bibby brought a USC team in that made 23s in one game there in the 99-2000 campaign. I've seen some teams get hot. The Beavers, they're on their own right. Is it a good shooter's gym, Gill Coliseum? Oh, I think so. I remember at the time we had a player named Amit Tamir, and he set a record for threes. I think he he, he broke uh, Gary Payton's record at the time. I think somebody's mm-hmm. probably eclipsed it since then. But, you know, our players enjoyed shooting there. I, I don't know what it was. It just it was a cozy place. It, it was a warm place to, to play. And, um, you know, we had some of our better games there. It's just hard to explain. I, I, I really don't have an explanation for it. I, I like to take the credit to say we just outworked, outcoached everybody. We did, but we didn't. We, we had some good players, and our players enjoyed playing there. Ben Braun, our guest. Coach, I'll lose this if, if we don't because there are a number of things in your interesting life and, and upbringing and background I'd like to get to today that we've never really talked about before. So I want to at least get a thought before we go down that trail. Your thoughts about tomorrow's game. The Beavers have beaten Cal twice. Cal has beaten Colorado recently, a team that's given the Beavers all sorts of trouble. What do you make of the matchup tomorrow night at Hosmer? Well, if, you know, and I'm not trying to put pressure on Wayne. I'm going to be speaking to him shortly. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But I can tell you that, I, you know, knowing – uh, Wayne, knowing the staff and knowing what it's like to coach and be ready for a team like Cal, this game would concern me a lot because, mm-hmm. first of all, to beat a team a third time is is never easy. And then you know you're, it's a trap game because you look at you look at Cal's record, and I can guarantee you they're not their you know their record does not indicate what type of team they are. And you know, ask Colorado; they came in here and they got smoked. And you know, Cal's been ahead of, of, of probably. I'd say most of the opponents they've played, they've been in the lead uh, late in the game. They just can't hold on. They're, they're, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, I think Mark's talked about it. Just the uh, the habit of winning, tradition, and you know, when you're when you're used to winning, then you start winning those games. And you know, you, you do need some upper class, but that, that helps you. But it's a tough game. I, I, I can tell you that Cal's gonna. They didn't play well in the last two outings. That was probably their worst weekend of basketball. But they played pretty good basketball. They just haven't had a lot to show for it. Coach, what have you made of Oregon State's season, their personnel, as this season's gone along? Well, I like what, what Wayne and the, and the staff have done. I like the, I like the team. Uh, I've covered them. I was down at the UCLA game. That game could have gone either way. Um, did the game with Ted Robinson there just a couple weeks ago. And, you know, again, they've been in games. They, they've got a couple things going for them. One is they, they do a really good job um, – 
you know, they've limited teams in terms of not giving teams a big three-point shooting games. They've, they've cut down their opponents' three-point shooting. Their percentages, defensive field goal percentage there is good. They share the basketball. They've got a balanced team. I think if you make an effort to stop Ethan Thompson, which, you know, you better make an effort to do something. It's kind of like Cal and Matt Bradley. If you don't try to stop him, he'll single-handedly destroy you. However, if you try to stop him and he's distributing, they've got a number of other guys that can score it. You know, I remember Maurice uh, Kalou, uh, mm-hmm. uh, he, he just he won that first game because, he, you know, they stopped Ethan, but, uh, he, you know, he was able to get loose. Jared Lucas can knock down shots and, you know, Zach Reichel, very underrated guard. And then they got LT Sheen and, and uh, you know, guys climbing the glass. So they, they are really, you double team them, they're, they're, they're a pain because you've got to get back and scramble back to get your coverages. And so they, they become a very balanced team. I just think they're one of the harder teams in the league to guard when they're playing well and, uh, you know, when they're in a rhythm. So, um, again, that's going to be a challenge for Cal, but I've, I've liked I'd like what the Beavers have done this year. They've been they've been a good team. And coach Wayne worked to build a roster, right? Using the portal, using the junior college ranks. He hasn't done a lot of that through the years, but this team was picked twelfth. It was almost an unknown entity, maybe to people. That who did they have in Alatiche and Andela? And Kalu, right? I mean, so I I was really pleased to see Wayne and his staff. You know how hard it can be. And maybe in these days, I, I don't know if it's easier or harder to get players because of the portal. What do you make of, of roster building and you know, what Wayne it, has it's done? It's interesting. Uh, you know, teams are going to that now. Cal's got a couple of players that they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got to be a, you know, there's got to be a niche for it because here's the only dilemma. Um, if you're getting, you know, grad transfers and players in the portal and, and you've got some young players coming up that are kind of biding their time and all of a sudden you, bring in some, you know, some transfers and people to jumpstart and leapfrog some of those guys, it can disrupt the chemistry of the team. So you've got to be very careful about that. I think teams, you know, have to understand that if you're bringing a guy, he's got to be a no-ego guy. He's got to be a specialty guy that helps your program fill a gap, whether it's at the point guard or maybe as a rebounder or, you know, a, 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 a score. As long as there's a role, I think I think it's a, it's a good thing. You know, I'm, I, I really think, I mean, Dane Altman's made a career of it. You know, he's he's been able to do it probably better than anybody. Um, but it doesn't always work. You know, so you gotta you gotta kind of pick and choose, and then you gotta work on the chemistry of your team. But it's it says a lot that if you can make it work, that you're as a coach and a coaching staff, you're pressing the right buttons because you know kids have feelings, they have egos, and everybody wants to contribute. But what I like about Wayne's team is again they're they're playing a number of guys. Uh, you know, if you every time I fill out my my lineup sheet. Uh, you know, Wayne's team always goes off the page for me. I got to put like twelve and thirteen you know, <laughs> names on it because right. you, you, you know, you just when you think a guy's not going to play, he does and he contributes. So that's the good news for for Oregon State is that they they've got a number of guys that in a given situation can help their team. Coach, do you enjoy preparing as a broadcaster? Do you find the co- do you almost treat it as if you were scouting both teams you're about to play as you're preparing to call a game? Yeah, I do, and and I particularly enjoy, you know, speaking with the coaches who I, I've known or have competed against. That's fun, and I'll leave you. I'll give you a quick story. But I was doing a game it was a year or two ago, and uh, it was by with Kermit Davis, and you know, I'm, we're in the same in the same hotel, and 
I get up the next morning and he looks like death warmed over because he lost a 25-point lead. That's pretty hard to do, by the way. <laughs> uh, and, and, and they were on the road and they just everything that could go wrong went wrong. Every bad shot they could take, every missed free throw, they lost the game the next morning. And I, I said, you know, Kermit, I, I, I felt so bad I couldn't sleep last night. He said, what do you mean you couldn't sleep? You, were, you didn't coach. I said, no, but I've been in your shoes. I know exactly how you felt. And you, you don't lose that feeling. You know, as a coach, you feel bad for these coaches and what they're going through because you know exactly how they're feeling. So as a broadcaster, I try to, you know, get inside of their heads, whether it was coming out of a locker room at halftime or just bouncing from game to game and just kind of go through the emotions that he and the staff might be feeling. Ben Braun joining us. Ben, when you say you know exactly – how they're feeling. I mean, you coached for a long time as a head coach at Siena Hills at Eastern Michigan, 12 years at Cal, and that's how we know you primarily from those years. The Pac-10 Coach of the Year in the Sweet 16 in your first year, five trips to the NCAA tournament at Cal. You mentioned Leon Poe. It's a reminder. I mean, you there was a lot of good basketball in that 12 years, right, Ben? When, when when an era ends, when you had it going really well for a long time, how difficult is that when you say you know what coaches are going through or have to go well, through? Well, it is, it is tough. You know, it's funny. I, I, I joke back now. I, I was watching. I hate to see that some of these replays come on. I was watching a game, but we led UCLA by five points with, with uh, I think it was 10 or 15 seconds to go and lost the game. There was a questionable call. There was, a I thought, an illegal shot that, that they made, but you know, UCLA was rated number two in the country at the time, and we weren't, and so they, they got the edge. But I remember just how talented those teams were, and I, I remember it playing against a UCLA team that had eight guys that were, I mean, think about this, eight guys that played in the NBA hmm. on one team. Wow. Not one, not two, not three. <laughs> As a coach, you'd be happy with, with one or two, but right. they had eight. Mm-hmm. So they, they had some talent. I used to kid Steve Lavin. I said, Steve, you, are, you know, come on, man. Eight, eight, <laughs> just, can you divide up, you know, share the wealth a little bit? But um, you know, they, they, there was some really talented teams back in back in those days, and I think the, the Pac-12 now is still uh, talented. If you look at the pros and the NBA, I still think the uh, Pac-12 is sending more players to the league than any conference in the country. Um, the unfortunate part is some of those players are leaving early and don't stay in the Pac-12 as long as they used to. They used to stay till their junior years at least, maybe only leave a year old, and now they're leaving after their freshman year. So it's just, it makes it tougher for continuity and to keep your team and your, your program around. Ben Brown will be working the game tomorrow night with Ted Robinson on the Pac-12 Network's The Beavers at Cal at Haas Pavilion. Coach, if you don't mind, there's a few things in just preparing to visit with you that, that struck me that I hadn't known before. I think I've made note of it, but it didn't. it's not something I've ever explored with you. Uh, you lost your father, Zev, about a year and a half ago, I believe, at, at the age of 91, he was a producer of movies, television shows. Did you grow up in that milieu, or did you move west? Because you you were born and reared in Illinois, went to Wisconsin. Yeah. When did your father go west and get into the Hollywood? Well, th- thanks for uh, bringing my dad up. He was a big influence in my life, and he he uh, you know he, he had a great life. He actually the last movie he did, he did when he was only a couple of years before he passed, and he was in his late eighties. But uh, um, you know. Uh, he, he, he did a, a show uh, uh, for a, a Lifetime, and, you know, he, he, he was still pretty active in his career. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed because he, he gave a lot to me. I didn't grow up in the movies part. The movie part is something he grew into in his later years after I got out of high school mm-hmm. and started college. He, he moved west to start 
doing uh, uh, you know, shows and producing in Los Angeles. So the family, his, you know, he moved out west, but we kind of stayed in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I mentioned he just he did the he did that show on Gabby Douglas. His, his mom, or her mom, uh, chose my dad amongst all people to do her story because she he said she he he uh, she felt he'd do a really good job, and they did. It was a, I think an award an award, but uh, but he did some really. I, you know, I was proud of my dad because he, he always picked things that were, I think, meaningful. They weren't just financial. They were things that were like Tour of Duty, which was a really important show for, about Vietnam, one of the first shows on TV about the Vietnam era, and that was an award-winning show. Uh, you know, he did the shows on Father Clements in Chicago. He put Muhammad Ali in his first movie, Freedom Road, which is a very, very uh, important political movie. Uh, historical movie. It was the other side of Gone with the Wind. So I always had a lot of respect for what he did. And um, he always taught me to just pursue my passion. And, and my passion was sports. So uh, he was very supportive of what I did for a living. And, um, and, he, and you know, he didn't miss many games when, he, when we came to Southern California. He was there at USC. He was there at UCLA. And we won our share of games down there. So he, he got a chance to see some of our better teams and better games. I wondered, you know, looking at your father's career, you mentioned Freedom Road. I was going to ask you about that specifically with not only Muhammad Ali, but Chris Christopherson. That just sounds, that's an interesting combination that your father as a producer put together, but he worked with the likes of Maximilian Schell, Martin Sheen, Jody Foster, John Huston, Sophia Loren, Peter Sellers, and maybe Peter's last film. I, I don't know if did, along the way whether he had stories about these folks, whether you met any oh. of these. Well, he had a ton. No, he he had a ton, and I mean, I, I some of them I couldn't tell over the air, but they, but they were they were pretty funny. And and uh, if you knew my dad, he had a good sense of humor. But he was very close to Muhammad Ali. They were they were neighbors. They were they were family friends. Uh, he was close to uh, Ali later in his years when his health was declining, and Ali used to appreciate that about my dad. A lot of people didn't stay as close to Ali when he was failing, but my dad, he were very close. Uh, you know, my dad was. Uh, put Chet Walker, the famous basketball mm-hmm. player from Chicago, who I got to know growing up, uh, you know, started him in the movies, did a movie on uh, Isaiah Thomas's mother in Chicago. And so he, you know, he gave a lot of people an opportunity in the business. But, um, yeah, he was a people person. So uh, I really appreciate it. I didn't realize you knew all this background. That's You're the first person I've talked to that's done his homework like that. I usually... People have records of sports, but you got it all. You got, uh, you know, you 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 captured really what my dad did. And my my brother also grew up in that area. He he was the uh, film editor for Survivor, um, and so he 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 grew up in that in that uh, family kind of uh, um, background of, of film and TV. So um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It was an interesting thing to follow. I just never really got a chance. I was so busy with basketball, I didn't get a chance to watch enough of what he did, but I get to go back now and watch Jodie Foster and mm-hmm. uh, her movie he did with her little girl who lives down the lane. They want to do a remake now. So she, you know, he actually put her in one of her first movies. So uh, he had an eye for talent. That's for sure. What about the sports part of it? You said he was very supportive. D- did you discover that on your own or was he a big fan of Chicago area sports as you grew up? Yeah, he was, uh, you know, I, I, he didn't play sports. Um, and he, when they used to interview him and he'd inter- do interviews about me, he said, you know, I, I told Ben everything I know, and thank God he didn't listen to any of it. That's why he's successful about sports. He didn't know much about sports, but he knew about people. He knew about how to build relationships. He knew about 
the value of leadership and uh, direction and, and making good choices. Uh, he always taught me that, so I was just lucky. I, I watched how he was able to grow his business and grow his friendships. He had a lot of supporters, and he did that because he, he cultivated relationships. And, um, and they're, you know, to this day, I'm still friends with a lot of people he was friends with, but as he used to point out to me as he got older, he said, I don't have any friends. He said, they're all, de- they're all dying <laughs> or dead, you know. He said he was one of the last, uh, you know, and I, I, I think um, – you know, you but you you your friendships are are important in life, and relationships are important. But I, you know, I I really mean this. I remember the years coming down to Corvallis, and I still remember some of the interviews I used to do before the game, and uh, whether it was there or some of the people I've been I've known over through the years. And it's you know you don't forget those. It's uh, you build relationships, and uh, I'm glad we're able to get back years later and still do an interview. That's fun yeah. for me. Well, thank you, Ben. It's been great to have you on. There, there's so many aspects of your career and reading about you that I found interesting. The fact that you were a very good baseball player, and it sounded as though, uh, whether it shaped your thinking, just we'll close on this, whether it had to do with your father's pursuits, his sensitivities, but you, in your academic major, you you, you got a degree, in t- you wanted to teach English, perhaps, but you had a minor in African-American studies at Wisconsin, if I'm reading it correctly, a master's degree in guidance and counseling, thinking about a career as a teacher-educator, perhaps. You've certainly been an educator and teacher your whole life, but you took a baseball team What I, in a story I read when you were the baseball coach at Siena Heights and took them in Michigan, took them down to Georgia for a tournament or a series of games. And the, 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 the blatant, vile, horrible language, the racism, at least the language coming from the dugout of the opposing team during a game, if you could, Ben, reflect a little bit on that. Was your own in, in No, even- I, I always remember that, Mike. It's interesting you brought that up. I, you know, this was in the 70s, and you know, you'd think things were progressing back in the 70s. Well, they were up north and probably out west, where they've always been a little more progressive. But, boy, you... We were down in the deep south outside of uh, Atlanta. I mean, you know, some of those small towns, things weren't very progressive. And I remember hearing some epithets coming from the dugout, and I, I you know, called the other coach over, and I said, look, I said, uh, you know, this is what we're hearing, and if I hear one more, we're taking our team off the field. We're not, we're not going to be a part of that. So he got his team together and, you know, said, hey, you know, uh, again, put the gabash on it, or whatever, and so we were able to finish the game. And, and, and the coach, at least to his credit, felt bad. Said, "Listen, you know, would you like to, would you like to, uh, you know, come over? We'd like you to be our guests. You know, we'll have you as our guests over in our dorms for for lunch or dinner or whatever." And I said, "You know, coach, no thanks." I said, "I'd rather, I'd rather not be in that kind of company. I appreciate you stepping up, but that your players aren't the kind of players I want our players to be around." And so what we did, <laughs> it's interesting. Is we went over to our next opponents and we ate there instead, and that was over at Morehouse, who was a black college, <laughs> and we felt more at home there. And uh, we only had a couple African American kids on the team, but I, I just felt that was more educational for our kids. There was none of that stuff going on there, so we, 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 we did that. But you know, you, at the time, you had to stand up, and you know, I think we need more of that today. If you, if you, you know, a, uh, a an injustice is an injustice, and if you don't do anything or say anything about it, you're part, you're, you know, you're equally to blame. You got to you got to call it out when you see it. And I just thought it was not appropriate, um, yeah. you know, at that time. And so uh, things have changed, obviously. But, you know, I don't know if things have changed enough. You know, I think we still see this in, in life. But, um, you know, as an educator, uh, as a 
leader, you, you, you have a responsibility. And I want my kids to see that you always step up and you do the right thing. You gotta, sometimes you gotta defend people that can't defend themselves or that have a tough time doing it all by themselves. So, um, but yeah, you, boy, you've got all these stories. I gotta, you know, I gotta get you involved in my book now. I'm, I'm got the wrong people approaching me about a book. I gotta, I gotta put you in there. I, I, I think you'd, you'd write a better book than the people that have asked me to write one. So. Hey Ben, but you and I have this conversation here. Well, Ben, I, I really appreciate you taking time. I mean, just you know, it's an honor to have you on the show and and the conversation. We look forward to your work tomorrow night with Ted Robinson. Ted is a frequent guest on the show and one of our all time favorite people as well. I hope you enjoy working with him because we love him, and I know Roxy Roxy's been a great friend for years, and you guys are friends, oh, and yeah. he, he's a friend. So uh, it's it's part of the beauty of being in the business. This is my twenty second year with the Beavers, but you get to meet great people, and that's in the long run. The relationships, as you said earlier, is what it's all about. No, it's it's everything. So are you guys going to be able to do the game? I hope I don't give this away on the air here. I want to. Are you guys able to do the game there, or do you have to do it by watching it? How do you? We're do it? we're you sitting know? in Reeser Stadium in a suite, calling it off the television. Yeah, no, that's, what, that's what everybody's <laughs> yeah. doing. And I and I, yeah. I don't want to let your fans down who yeah. might not know that. No, but it's true. I think everybody, even to, even ESPN today, is doing. They're pretty much showing everybody. You mentioned Roxy and Bill Walton, these guys, and they're all in their yep. short sleeve shirts. They're in the comforts of their offices and. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they're not, you know, but I, I, I've been fortunate in some respects because I've been able to do all games at the stadiums, uh, and it's been, you know, the protocols have been good, so I'm, I'm very fortunate there. I, I think there's still nothing like doing it that way, but until we get through the pandemic, we're going to have to just, you know, roll with the punches a little bit. But uh, I'm hoping I'll get a chance to see you in person again and seeing your team. I, I always enjoy covering the Beavers and seeing you and, uh, you know, bringing back some of those memories. I, I have very pleasant memories of... Uh, my time in Corvallis, and uh, it's a unique place. People who've never been to Corvallis really don't don't quite, quite get it. It's a it's a really it's a neat town, and um, it's it's a fun place to be. Coach, thanks for your time, Ben. It's really good to talk to you. Hope that we will My cross paths all, down all, the all road. The thanks for everything, Ben Braun, our guest. Let's break. We'll come back. We're flipping. We've got a little flip flop. We'll tell you about next, and some Ryan Ober news next. Twelve forty, Joe Radio. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Everyone has an Uncle Fester in their life, that person who is nearly impossible to please. Well, take them to Woodstock's Pizza and they'll find exactly what they're looking for. Because Woodstock's Pizza is pizza for all, with over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, six different sauces, four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free. Plus, vegan and dairy-free options, Woodstock's Pizza really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza. They'll even please Uncle Fester on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. 
Corvallis. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, the Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain this winter, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for Campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for Campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill and we have more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for cash for campers. I'm Paul. Uh, We've been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com that's RV, the number four, me, to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. So what is the news on Ryan Ober, who we'll get to the flip-flop in a moment, but we flipped a little bit just to try to make it as convenient as possible for everybody. Yeah. What's the Ryan Ober news? Oregon State junior infielder Ryan Ober has been named the Pac-12 Player of the Week. Ober drove in nine runs wow. in his first three games. Monday's game versus New Mexico uh, apparently didn't count, so they only were counting the first three games. Oh, not because Monday. Monday's Monday yeah. into a new week, week Yeah, 50. that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So four hits, two home runs. He hit a two-run uh, two homer in the eighth inning of the Beavers' first game, Friday against Kansas State, then had, hit his second career uh, grand Slam, his second career Grand Slam, grand slam in the 14-1 win Saturday against New Mexico. The honor is the first of Ober's career and the 77th all-time for a Beaver player. Excellent. Ryan, by the way, will be joining us at 12.30, and Braden Wells moves into the 12.05 slot. Just so a quick flip-flop. We've worked that all out. So we'll talk to Braden at Ott 5 and... Ryan Ober, the Pac-12 Player of the Week at 12.30. In the meantime, Paul on the Downward Dog Sports Line. Paul, good morning. Yeah, hey, Mike. You know, I listened to the Tiger Woods uh, scenario all day yesterday, and I never once heard anybody mention about the, the transgressions in 2009. Mm-hmm. And I listened, and I, I mean, Fox News had it on every hour. And then I listened to the Golf Channel. They had it on all the time. Yes. And heard it on the local channel. So where did you guys hear, was it ESPN that brought up that? No, and it wasn't so much, you're right, the the coverage live on television and even on the radio was, generally speaking, devoid of that type of, but every written article, and there were a number of written articles mm-hmm. on websites and so on, chronicled essentially the arc of his career what he you know what he did at Stanford uh, it was almost like an obituary in nature in terms of yeah. you know chronicling everything that's happened up to this point and it included I saw multiple stories including the type of rhetoric I was describing well this probably also came because that documentary just came out on HBO that's why everybody was able to chronicle it the way they did mm. 
Now that could I be. recorded that and I haven't watched it yet and I'm going to. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. Paul, yeah, thank you. Anything else, Paul? No, I'm just, okay. uh, it just looks like the baseball team is going to be much, much better and cohesive this year. Maybe that uh, COVID-19 uh, stop last year was a blessing in disguise. I think so. Thanks for the call, Paul. Right. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit to Ryan. Kind of like a reset. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They, they weren't in disarray. I was with the no. team the whole time. It's just that there was a little frustration about um, some some uh, leads that were given up and 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 you know offensive output, but they were they had kind of regenerated, re-energized, and were ready for Arizona in Tucson. Whatever the re- results may have been, they were ready to go. I, it was great, and they were frustrated when we had to get off the plane. Yeah, I so get I kind of think of it as a reset. I, I agree, Johnny. That's not a good word for it. I think th- I think it was going to be uh, just looking at what I observed briefly the chance to regroup the last 50 weeks and getting into the year, it just strikes me as being helpful, rejuvenating in nature, guys going to work on their craft, mm-hmm. some of the uncertainties of a of a new era, as much as Mitch is a beaver through and through and loved and respected and the right guy and all of that, there's still you're still moving into a pretty serious level of transition from the voices you're hearing, from the way you go about practicing and game playing and and uh, sort of the chain of command in a dugout and during a course of a game and in and throughout practice sessions everything was a little bit different mm-hmm. yeah and a and, little bit different and well and and in one of the pregame shows that unfortunately didn't run but um mitch talked about i think it didn't run but mitch talked about joe casey and he, he could have said this for all the guys but he basically kind of termed it as, well, Joe took advantage of COVID because he got so much stronger right. during that off right. time period and worked on a few things mm-hmm. that maybe the course of last year wouldn't have happened. True. And Ryan Gibson touched on things similar to that yeah. yesterday in our conversation. So we'll see. I mean, one weekend doesn't tell the tale no. of the season, but as Dave pointed out too, historically when the Beavers have gotten off to either three and one, four and oh, or seven and one, eight no out mm-hmm. of the first couple of weeks that usually portends and, a pretty good year. And I think this weekend will be yes. a really good indicator. I agree. So thank you for that for that comment, Paul. The other thing that came up yesterday, and it was intriguing to me on a lot of levels, there on the national talk shows and even a couple of the articles I read with respect to Tiger having a very, very serious car accident yesterday was people looking back at the amazing life of Ben Hogan. And I grew up with some vague, you know, reading books like 100 Greatest Sports Heroes Mm -hmm. as a kid. Mm -hmm. Golf didn't grab me so much ever, and I'm still not really a fan or aficionado of the sport. Don't know it that well. Haven't followed it historically like I have other sports. Right. But I knew a little bit about this. Ben Hogan's amazing. Well, he came back from a a life-threatening car accident. Yeah, I just I didn't know that until I read about it in, during this period. So during Hogan's prime years of 38 through 59, he won 63 uh, tournaments. Driving home to Fort Worth after a Monday playoff loss in the 1949 Phoenix Open, Hogan and his wife Valerie survived a head-on collision with a Greyhound bus east of Van Horn, Texas. 
And there was fog. The bus was attempting to pass another vehicle on a mm. narrow bridge. How did he survive that? Hogan threw himself across his wife, Valerie, in order to protect her. He would have been killed had he not done so because the steering column punctured the driver's seat of their new Cadillac sedan. The accident left Hogan at the age of 36 with a double fracture of the pelvis, a fractured collarbone, a left ankle fracture, a chipped rib near fatal blood clots. He would suffer lifelong circulation problems and other physical limitations. His doctor said he might never walk again, let alone play golf competitively. He left the hospital 59 days after the accident. He regained his strength, resumed golf activities in November of 1949, and ended up having just amazing years after wow. that. They made a movie about him. They, with Glenn Ford, called called Follow the Sun, mm. played Glenn Ford. Never seen it. Anybody out there, please text me if any of you have seen it. Is it worth seeing? Is it well done and good? If you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear somebody say, Follow the Sun, Glenn Ford. Yeah, great movie. Or good as biopics for sports heroes go, whatever. I'd love to hear from you. We've got Braden Wells and Ryan Ober coming up. Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. Well, 40. Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. Stocks are posting solid gains with investors feeling better about the economic recovery outlook. The S&P 500 has moved up 36 points today. The tech-heavy Nasdaq's up 78, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 380 points at 31,917. Giving stocks a boost, a second day of testimony from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who told the Senate Banking Committee that the central bank will continue with its easy monetary policies for the foreseeable future to help the economy continue its recovery. U.S. oil prices rose sharply today. April crude rallied nearly 2.5%, settling above $63 a barrel. Carnival Cruise Line has extended its suspension of U.S. sailings once again, now through at least May 31st. Meanwhile, Disney Cruise Line issued another COVID-19 travel update. Disney saying all departures will remain halted through May 31st. 31st with Disney Magic to resume on pause or rather to remain on pause through August 10th. That's your money now. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-714-6633. That's 1-800-714-6633. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-714-6633. SelectQuote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. 
Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis. The Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. Winter is supposed to be on the way out, but we still have a couple of months of cold weather coming. Stock up now on warm and cozy clothing at the Natty Dresser during our winter wrap-up sale. Prices have been slashed up to 75% on items from throughout the store. Save today through Friday. Sweaters, flannel shirts, jackets, scarves, and slacks. Hurry in for the best selection. Don't miss the winter wrap-up sale this week at the Natty Dresser. Purveyors of quality menswear on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban Street in the heart of historic downtown Albany. Dress well, be confident, find success. This is Matt Vaskersian with another little-known legend of sports. Who's the most accomplished American diver you've never heard of? The answer is Marjorie Gestring, who first came to prominence back in 1936 when she captured the gold medal in women's springboard diving at the Berlin Olympics. Gestring followed up that victory by winning the U.S. National Springboard Championship in 1937, 1938, and 1940. She also won the platform title in 1939 and 1940. Gestring was a shoe-in to win at least one more Olympic medal, but that didn't happen because 1940 and 1944's Olympics were canceled due to World War II. Still, Gestring did win that gold medal back in 1936, and in doing so, she set a record that's never been matched in Olympic competition. You see, she was only 13 years and 9 months old when she captured that Olympic gold, making Marjorie Gestring the youngest Olympian in any sport to win a gold medal, a distinction that qualifies her as a little-known legend of sports. I'm Matt Vaskersian. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Call Protect My Car for details. These days, you've got to do whatever you can to save money. One of our biggest expenses can be our cars, especially when unexpected repair bills hit. Not anymore. If you own a car, truck, or SUV made from $19.99 or higher, you could stop paying for car repairs. That's right. You might not have to pay a penny to have it repaired. Just dial star star 1168 on your mobile phone now to see if you qualify. You must have an automobile made from $19.99 or higher, and all repairs for your engine transmission and much more can become a thing of the past. Dial star star 1168 on your mobile phone today and get your car protected before your next repair bill hits. That's right. Total protection for your car and no more repair bills. Plus, free roadside assistance, free towing, free car rental, and free oil changes. Just dial star star 1168 on your mobile phone now to see if your car qualifies. That's star star 1168. Never pay for car repairs again. Just dial star star 1168 on your mobile phone now. Dial star star 1168. Time to enter the Magic Kingdom. Denise, would you kindly clear the wheels? Okay, here we go. On three. One, two. Tweets and texts, faces and books. Tweets and texts and faces and books. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. In such an age as this, is there any room left for something as simple as radio? We believe there is. Touchdown, Beaver! He's got a chance to go! Joe Beaver Show is on the air with Mike Parker and John Warren, two men on a mission to prove that AM radio is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment. So gather the whole family. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you don't have one, fret not. I'll have the management send you up a radio. Be a part of the triumphant return of amplitude modulation. This is the big one, boys. This is the one that brings us back. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. 
<laughs> it's the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the beavers. Cool, cool beats, beats. Kill me! 1240 Joe Radio. We head into the second hour. Mike Parker, John Warren, great to have you with us. We will have the pleasure later today of visiting with Talia Von Olhoff, and that will not be on the Joe Beaver Show proper. That will be a podcast. That will be posted. We'll play a snippet of it perhaps tomorrow on the show. A.J. Stewart and Todd McKim scheduled for tomorrow on the show. Later this hour, the Pac-12 Player of the Week, the Beavers' own Ryan Ober, will join us at 1230. Nine RBIs in the games that comprise the weekend portion of the Two Beavers' trip to Surprise. Slam. So good start for the Beavers. Down in uh, Surprise, they will now be playing four, starting tomorrow, at Grand Canyon University. And I started thinking about Grand Canyon. We haven't had, I haven't had a chance to talk to Coach Dorman about right, it. Right, But I said, wait a minute, wait a minute now. We got a guy in our own world who coached there. Good memory, because I, I only knew about Coach Dorman. And Braden Wells, former Beaver, member of the 2007, huge contribution to the national championship that year. Braden joins us on the Joe Beaver Show. It's been a long time, Coach. Great to have you on, Braden. How's life in Arizona? How are you today? Oh man, thanks for thanks for having me, Mike and John. Appreciate the invite this morning. Finishing up a workout, and I'm I was excited to to say yes. I'll I'll, I'll fill that 12:30 slot for you, Mike. <laughs> if you got nobody better than an old timer like me. Well, it's it's Ryan actually who needed this. Yeah, so Ryan to is flip. yeah, and so you have been kind enough oh, to be flexible <laughs> and Ryan Ober will join us a little bit later. Before we get to Grand Canyon University though, I saw you tweet over the weekend how proud you were. Uh, and this can you can help bring us up to date as to where you are, but how much time you spent with guys that are making their mark now with Oregon State after having had a chance to coach them at LB. So, Braden, bring us up to date a little bit on that. What, how long you were at uh, Lynn Benton Community College in the baseball program, and some of these guys that you did work with that you're watching now move on to Oregon State and contribute so well? I So I joined Coach Peterson's staff at uh, January of 2019. So he was looking for a pitching coach. He called me in the fall of 2018 after Gippy had taken over as a volunteer at for the beads, he got promoted to head coach. I know the feeling of those first couple months as a JUCO head coach, as a young guy, just spinning a little bit. He called me. He was sitting around with actually Ryan Gorton and Bill Rao and Parker Berber, and they said, "Why don't you give Wellsy a call? He's down there in Arizona, taking the year off, getting his mind right." And uh, so I, I told PD if he could wait till after Christmas and I could spend the holidays with the family, I'd, I'd, I'd make the move back up to the beaver country and, and help him out and make sure his, his head was screwed on the right way and got his great head coaching career off to a great start. So I was fortunate enough to spend two seasons there and got, got a chance to coach all five of those guys that are on the beaver roster right now, Mascarenas, Townsend, Hamilton, Logan, and uh, Melton. Tell us a little bit about those guys, if you would, and just at one point, didn't you have an all LB battery for the beavers over the weekend? We did. It was uh, it was Brock, Brock and Brock and Hammy, I believe, thrown thrown to each other. So um, you know, Hammy, he's a he's a he's a pit bull man. He he he's a leader. He, he's a really really high defender back there behind the plate. 
same with Gavin Logan. Um, you know, there, there's there's not a doubt in my mind why they they moved on to Oregon State. It's it's a place that's produced great backstops, and they fit the mold. Um, you know, two of the hardest workers as far as just their their routines and and how consistent they are with it day in and day out. Um, and then you got Rock Townsend who has dealt with adversity after adversity with with a couple injuries and and just some how his journey went and and for him to stick through it and get out there and and, and make his debut this weekend and for me to be able to be in the stands watching was pretty special. You got Jacob Melton who's just a freak athlete. I mean, he, he, he can run, he can throw, he can, he's got some power and it's just a matter of, of tying together his, his hyper elasticity. And, um, he, he, he looks like he's added 20, 25 pounds since he left Lindbetten a year and a half ago. And, and so they're doing good things with him. And then you got Richie Mascarenas, who is just a premier defender in the NY course at shortstop. He, I don't know how many runs he saved playing, playing shortstop for us. Um, but he hails from Las Vegas and, Coach Gibson had had a relationship with him from his time at Dixie State, being in that Vegas area, and and got him to come up to Lynn Benton, and then PD and I were fortunate enough to be able to finish coaching him his sophomore year, um, and and send him on his way to Oregon State. So it's it's pretty special for myself having gone the JUCO route, getting to Oregon State to be a part of a program that was able to help you know five guys realize their dream of, of going on to play at the highest level of Division One baseball. Braden Wells joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Braden, there's several other things I want to ask you about, but in mentioning Jacob Melton, you know, when I when I hear about the power, the raw latent power that he has, combined with the speed, how fast he runs. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to put too much pressure on a kid and say, "Well, it reminds me of Mickey Mantle." Oh, okay, go man, go. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. But that combination of power and speed, you don't see too often. Do you feel like as he grinds and works and takes to coaching and works on his craft that those two elements together with him could be rather unique as a skill set, even through the great arc of, of players we've seen at Oregon State. I mean, he, he definitely has that, that high ceiling, Mike. So it's it, all the tools are in there. And, and I think he's got the work ethic and, the, and obviously I believe in all those coaches. I went to battle with all those guys and, and, and got to dogpile and Rosenblatt with them. So I've got all the confidence in the world that he's in the right, right spot to, uh, to develop into a, that type of player that you, you're talking about. Just, you know, and, and for him to be working into first base a little bit, I mean, that's the fastest first baseman in America. If he, if he dials in that spot. Yeah, it's interesting, and, and I don't want to get ahead of it. I mean, I know he's worked and gotten better, but the things I hear, like you talk about, and we haven't had a chance, I haven't had a chance to see him enough yet, but hearing from Mitch, hearing from Gippy, hearing from Darwin, yourself, Petey, there's a, there's a high potential there, and if, if he has the potential, Braden, with the work ethic, you can take that pretty far, right? And do you sense that the combina- the right combination is there? Yes, and, and I think we've we've seen over the years and with Beaver baseball that that hard work can can accomplish a lot of great things. So, tell us a little bit, Braden, if you would, about uh, what you're doing now. Uh, I, I don't have a full sense of it, but you're still coaching. What is that looking like in your world now? So I with with kind of 2020 happening and, and COVID, our season getting cut short. Um, we found out my older brother was, was 
having a baby with his, with my sister-in-law. Um, and so it, it kind of evaluating things. I'm dating Carrie Kunda, the younger sister of Beaver great, Chris Kunda. She, she finished up her master's and, and got a remote job. So it kind of allowed us to, to sit back and reevaluate, you know, what, what do we want to do with this next year of our lives? And, and I really wanted to get back down to Arizona and be an uncle. So talked to PD about it, finished up recruiting all summer for him. And uh, spent a couple weeks with the Lynn Benton guys and told them, you know, my reasoning for moving home was to, to be close to the family and, and be a part of my, my little niece, Freya, Freya Wells' life. So um, I'm helping out with some high school kids, and I'm also helping a former coach of mine start a nonprofit that's going to try to help create some healthy learning cultures in, in public schools. So um, got a couple of different things going on, and just kind of enjoying the family time. I live a mile from my parents, so I can kind of walk over and, and be at their front door any day of the week and 15 minutes from my older brother. So it's, it's been nice to, to kind of get back to some family time after 10 years of coaching yeah. and having the coaching schedule dominate my life. So. It's all great stuff. Braden Wells, our guest. So go back to 11 and 12 then and your time at Grand Canyon. We're kind of, it's a mystery to us. They're in the whack. They have great facilities. We, we're doing all our research. What, if you can recall, was it like then and where that program was to where it is now? Because it looks like uh, they're, they're a player. Well, I, I was fortunate enough to be sitting in the broadcast booth with Mike Parker calling Josh Hoaches as no-hitter when we were talking about yeah, right. me heading to Grand Canyon, right. actually. So mm-hmm. um, good memory there. But Andy Stankiewicz was a former assistant coach at ASU. We actually was I, was, I played against them during those years I was at Oregon State. Um, and, and just through some connections, I got a hold of them. I was working in the logistics industry. Hey, I really want to get back into baseball. I'll do whatever it takes. And I ended up being his grad assistant. And we were Division Two back then, without a left field foul pole. Um, you know, Coach Stanky has done a great job of just improving the the, the the ball field there. I grew up in Arizona, and and we really didn't know anything about Grand Canyon as high school players around here. So, um, just the the investment they've had in facilities has has allowed Coach Stankiewicz to build a very quality program. And you can kind of see on paper um, the teams are very built, very similar. They, their strengths are pitching and, and defense and athleticism in the field. So I actually sent one of my players from Skagit College to Coach Dorman, and he was their Friday night starter for, for a year and, and a quarter of a year before he blew his elbow out. But he ended up getting drafted by the White Sox, Cade Meckles out of McMinnville, Oregon. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, Braden, geographically, <laughs> where is it in Phoenix um, is it anywhere near Arizona State? or And then eventually, are they going to be in competition for guys to try and beat out Arizona State and then in Arizona as well? And will they get those guys? And where do you see it going? So, they're, they're, I mean, their stadium is, is top-notch. So it's right at 35th Avenue in Camelback, which is kind of the greater central Phoenix area, um, about 15, 20 minutes away from Tempe. So, kind of right in the same neighborhood as Arizona State, relatively close in, in a big city like this. Um, I, I I do know that they, they've gone to battle with, for players between ASU and U of A, and so they're starting, you know, Coach Stinky, they've been at the top of the whack for the last few years. They're, they're trying to make that push to, to get into a regional and, and be that playoff contending squad year in and year out. So um, with, they've got Greg Wallace, 
who's their recruiting coordinator, and John Wente, um is their new pitching coach, who was a Central Arizona's head coach for a while and ended up over in, I think, Texas Arlington was their pitching coach. So they've got a quality program. Um, you know, it's one of those – Coach Stank is one of those coaches that I, I respect right up there with Coach Casey and Coach Bailey and the Canons and the Gibsons and the Dormans of the world. So – um, it should be a fun series. I'm excited for the Beads to, to play a, a quality opponent for four games and, and finish up their trip to Arizona the right way. Brayton, did you see all four games for the Beavers in Surprise in the ballpark? Were you there for all four? I was only there for the last two. So okay. the 20 to 4 throttling of, of Gonzaga and then the 5 to 2 against New Mexico. So it was fun to see him put on the show and it was fun to see him play a, a typical, you know, three run Beaver baseball ball game where they're putting on the display of defense and the pitching was relentless. The offense was relentless. The outfielders were scrambling to get balls into the infield because the, you know, our, our, our hitters were just pushing to take extra bases off the bat. So it was, it was fun to watch Mike. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Braden, your general impressions in those two games. It's early, only four games in, but what do you sense the makeup of this club is and, and just some of the things that jumped out at you about what's, possible perhaps this year well i mean I, I i text all the coaches saying that was a fun brand of baseball to watch so i'm, I'm excited for what they've done i was able to you know be around them the last couple of years um and it's a fun group they they seem to have a lot of confidence they're they're they bought into what coach canham and and, and the rest of the staff have, have been feeding them and i feel like they've, they've they've kind of handled the adversity of COVID and the, the restrictions and the protocols. And they're just, they're, they're kind of business, that business mentality of let's show up and take care of business and, and we'll go do what we have to do and, and, and go do it again the next day. So I'm high hopes for this 2021 squad. Um, I think they're, they've, they've got the right mix of pitching and defense and offense that they could do something really special. Braden is a teammate. You said you got the dog pile and you did, big contributor to the 2007 national championship. So you're dogpiling with Darwin and with, uh, with Mitch, with Joey Wong, who's part of the staff as well. What is it, what were they like as teammates and even leaders in those days? And it, you interact enough with them now to see how that's carried over into the coaching world. I mean, I've always, I think said that, you know, Mitch Cannon was one of the best leaders I ever played with. And it was one of those things that if he ever, called us together and said, Hey, we got a mission to go do. We, we would all be right behind him, ready to go do it. No questions asked. You know, that's the kind of trust that we had him in as teammates. And, you know, having him and Darwin, it was like the best of both worlds because, you know, Dar's going to learn everything about you. He's going to be your best buddy. He's going to make you feel like, you know, you're part of our team. And then Mitch is going to be there to, you know, slam the door at home plate on you. So, um, you know, they had the kind of, the, they were able to, let us know as newcomers. I was a JUCO transfer, and, and there was a few of us on that squad. Uh, what to expect from from Coach Case and the staff, and you know, kind of how to handle their intensity because I think we all know Case is, is one of the best competitors in the in the nation. So um, he he really instilled that in his, in his players. And, and Mitch and Dar were a, um, you know an extension of him taking taking accountability as, as players of their own teammates. So. You know, we had a very good internal leadership within our team because of those guys. 
Final thing, Braden, it's been a while. I know we rehearsed some of this when, when we had the pleasure of being part of a call for Josh's no-hitter at UCLA in 2011. Over the years, off and on, we've talked about it. But it's been a while, long enough, that I'd like you. And I talked about a big contributor. You contributed in a lot of ways. But the memory that stands out in 07, of course, is the Super Regional and Game 1 against Michigan when the Beavers got all of one hit. And that's all it took. I mean, that's what it took to win that game. Could you take me through, please, the top of the ninth inning in that? You're the visiting team that day in the Super. So I I don't remember exactly every detail. I think you do because it's one of the magic moments in your career, I would think. So what? take us through what happened and just how how that still stands out in your life as, as as a baseball memory. You know, it's one of those things as a coach I love to talk about because it was one of my favorite memories as a player, and I only played in six outs of that game. So Scott Sanchi drew a leadoff walk, and obviously we know Zach Putnam was pretty lights out that day. And so we had a base runner. Coach Casey called my name. I was ready to go as a pinch runner. I think it was uh, Lonnie Leckel came up and running me over a second. Typical get him on, get him over, get him in. You know, we played that a lot back in the day. And uh, I think we went strikeout, so we're down to two outs now, and Joey Wong to the plate. And, you know, the one thing we knew was the left fielder kind of had a bum arm, and he was still in the game in the ninth. So I was I was working my butt off to get as good of a secondary. That way, if, if Joey put the ball in play, I was off to the races. And so, um, you know, the, the amount of impact you can have as a, as a role player as well as an everyday starter, you know, I, I, I like to talk about to our players. And, and when you – pay attention to detail and you do the little things well in the game, you get an opportunity at, at some point to make that contribution. So, um, I mean, shoot, that's fun to go through right there. I didn't think I would remember it all either. Well, you it, did. It and then Joey, <laughs> Joey gets the op, the kind of the grounder through the six hole. He didn't hit it hard, but he hit it hard enough to get through, but it was also fairly shallow. And I, re- I can visualize, I think, Braden. I mean, Marty's waving you as you're coming. Around, but I thought the left fielder was picking the ball up as you were hitting third. That's how it struck me. I thought, well, I hope the left fielder boots it or throws it off or whatever else. But your scouting report you had on that guy was evidently it ain't that strong, right? I mean, you, you knew when the ball, when he made contact, you probably were thinking about home, right? Or what were your thoughts as you came around? I'm pretty sure I was going home, whether or not Marty was going to send me or not. But he, he was in his, his jog with his, his arm waving. He was running up the line. So I, I saw him plenty clear. And, and Mitch was actually at home plate there to pick me up as I dove in, <laughs> dove in safe. So, and then Darwin was actually one of, one of the nights. He was there for the chest bump right after Mitch got me off the ground. So it was a lot of fun. I miss those intensity, you know, the, the competition, the intensity as a player that you have and, and just the emotions that you get to share with your teammates, all the hard work that, that comes to fruition at the end of it. It was a beautiful moment as part of just so many in that era and continuing through all these great years of Beaver baseball. A quick question by request on our University Honda text line off the air from Russ. Were you at Grand Canyon when Jake Wong was pitching there? Jake, a former Corvallis Knight. I was not. I okay. was I was there well before those those studs okay. came in. Um, but 
the, the kid that I sent down, Cade Meckles, went down and replaced Jake Wong and, and became the Friday night guy after Jake got drafted by the Giants. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Russ, there you go. I remember Jake well pitching for the Knights, and I thought the time frame might have been a little bit off, but I just wanted to make sure. Braden, it is great to see you. Are you going to be able to go to the games this weekend? I haven't heard yet. I know their attendance policy right now is with Grand Canyon students and some of the Grand Canyon guests, but they weren't sure how many Oregon State guests. So I, I'm just waiting for J-Rod to give me the word. If I do, it looks like I'll be available Sunday to go to a game. So, But okay. if not, I'll be watching watching online with everybody else. Hey, Braden, is Grand Canyon or the state of Arizona, could they be full if they wanted to, or is there a limitation on what they're doing? I don't believe so. They're even like the Cardinals never got the full um, surprise. It was like a 2,500 capacity, and I think they had 7,500 seats. So there yeah. are, even though we're open down here, there are still limitations on the on the bigger gatherings. Right. Better go take your dog for a walk. It sounds like Braden. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, it's really good to hear your voice again, man. Thanks for making time for us. Always appreciate you. Thanks for joining the show, Braden. Thank you, Mike and John. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Thanks, sir. Man. Braden Wells, our guest, the Pac-12 Player of the Week coming up. That's Ryan Ober. As we continue on the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. At H&R Block, tax time means max refund time. And with virtual tax prep, our experts can help you get your refund from home. Stay in your sweatpants. Just snap some pics of your docs and a tax pro does the work. Your maximum refund is guaranteed or your money back. Virtual tax prep. One of the many ways Block has your back. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. This is Serena from your local H&R Block. Last year was full of surprises and tax prep shouldn't be. Visit one of our local six offices today. Don't forget about our Philomath office next to Safeway and the Sunset Shopping Center. Book your appointment today and let us get your maximum refund. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley. Trump says the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. Hi, this is Dave from Tom Water. WSU Press, yep, that's the Cougs, has just published my latest book, Lewis and Clark Reframed. In Lewis and Clark Reframed, we will examine how the famous American expedition was influenced by the British explorers, James Cook, George Vancouver, and Alexander Mackenzie, all of whom preceded Lewis and Clark to the Pacific Northwest. Order Lewis and Clark Reframed from WSU Press, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookstore. This is Mike Parker for Evenflow Plumbing, your trusted award-winning plumber for the Mid-Valley. Evenflow specializes in complete plumbing and drain cleaning solutions for residential and commercial jobs. They treat your home like it's their home, and their flat rate pricing means no surprises at the end of the job. Evenflow takes pride in doing the job right the first time. Just call 541-738-8853 for all your plumbing needs. When you need a pro, go with the flow. Evenflow 
Plumbing. Your local Qdoba Mexican Eats plays an important role in serving our communities and will continue to provide access to freshly prepared food during this challenging time. While dining rooms are temporarily closed, all of your local Qdoba locations in Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, and throughout Oregon are ready to serve you with their same great flavors, making sure to take all safety precautions out of concern for their dedicated workers and valued customers. For quick and easy takeout ordering, call ahead to your locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican Eats for curbside pickup. You can also use the app or order online at Qdoba.com. We set them up, you knock them down. Bowl is now open daily from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., offering limited recreational bowling, lottery games, and food to go. Reservations for bowling are recommended. Call 541-753-6161. That's 753-6161. Highland Bowl, North 9th Street, Corvallis. We set them up, you knock them down. The Joe Beaver Show continues. Mike Parker with John Warren. Our thanks to Braden Wells for joining us. A reminder to Leah Von Olhoffen will be our podcast guest this week. We'll visit with her in in about a half hour from now, and that will be recorded and posted. You'll be able to get that probably later Later this this afternoon. I'm not exactly sure what you just found out in visiting with our next guest, who is the Pac-12 Player of the Week, Oregon <laughs> State's own of, Ryan Ober. Where are they? They just left, just arrived, you know, not long ago at the new hotel in somewhere in Phoenix near okay. Grand Canyon University, yeah, okay. which Braden Wells said is about 15 minutes away from Tempe. Well, it is a pleasure to connect with the young man who connected well and often for the Beavers' high-powered offense over the weekend and for his work in the three games taken into account by the conference. Nine RBIs in the first three games, and for that work, any number of players, I think, could have been selected for the award, as Ryan would probably indicate. That's how much of a team effort it was for the Beavers in this opening weekend. But it is a pleasure to welcome Ryan Ober to the Joe Beaver Show. Ryan, good afternoon. How are you, and how's life in Phoenix today? Hi, Mike. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, It's good, man, you know. Can't can't complain with the sun here. It's uh, cold, rainy Corvallis (laughs) right now. Um, Yeah, we're feeling really, really good after this weekend, as, as you said, for sure. Yeah, and I think you well should be, Ryan. It was fun to listen to John and Jim call it, to watch occasionally on Flow Sports. So I had a a, a, a lot of you know listening time as well as getting to watch. I was so happy for you, even though the game did the one game you did lose, you had a great shot to win that thing. But to show the resilience, even in that one, to be down three, uh, you know, three to nothing. A triple, a two-out triple, a two-run homer that you hit after that. Even though you ended up not coming back to win that thing, Ryan, was that late push kind of enough to kind of hey, look, guys, we're always in this? Did it give you some kind of spark for the rest of the weekend? Yeah, you know, uh, we just had our number there for a bit, but um, I think that that late, the late couple of runs we pushed across, uh, it really like proved to us that you know we. We're here to, to dominate and like do our thing this year, you know. Um, it shows that Beaver baseball is back. Uh, you know, we're a different team than last year, and I think, you know, a lot of people early on have sort of overlooked us, you know. And I think that was sort of our first uh, 
entrance in the season, you know, uh, Kevin made it, had a really good showing early on. It was really good to see him back on the mound, you know. So, yeah, that was kind of the first spark, I think, that really pushed us into the next few games. Um, I'm just really proud of the way we responded after that first loss, for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Kevin. I, I think he was overshadowed uh, because of Jordan Wicks and his hype, and he's he's all that. He's a he's a very good he's a great pitcher, and and it was a first game deal against a guy like Wicks. They end up losing the rest of their games, and you guys end up winning the rest of your games. In the old adage of hitting is contagious, it was never more apparent this weekend, wouldn't you say? Even. I guess with Mike mentioning, you know, the triple and then your home run Friday, but then by Saturday, in all the way through Monday, everybody got got a piece of it. And then, of course, with uh, Preston getting the, the other triple and another double and, and then a single, I mean, you guys really answered that old adage of hitting is contagious. Could you feel it? Was everybody talking about it in the, in the clubhouse during the weekend of, wow, what's going on here? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, you know, I really think you could have given that the player of the week to really any any one of the guys in the offense. You know, we all really came out hot today um, or this, this last weekend. And, you know, I, I think we're all just really, really hungry after, you know, almost a year of, of having no baseball. So, you know, I think a lot of us really took it to heart losing the season. We we made the most of, of that opportunity, you know. Um, you could have looked at it like, wow. We lost the season, like, what do we do now? Or you can look at it as, like, an opportunity to, you know, to have all this extra time to get better. And I think that, you know, especially our hitters, we really took that to heart and and we capitalized on it, you know, and we showed that we put that work in over the last year. So I'm really proud of all the guys. I know we're all really, really upbeat about it. Ryan Ober, our guest. Ryan, you put in the time, but the time – has to be guided or it has to have some method behind it, right? So it not only was putting in the time, which you clearly did, what kind of time did you put in in your own approach to your swing and your craft as a hitter? It's not just taking swings. Did you work, in a sense, on on getting your swing better and honing it, refining it? Yeah. Um, you know, especially early on, once someone really hit, we kind of had to get resourceful, uh, we, uh, we sort of built a cage in our little side yard in our, our house in Corvallis. Uh, just went around in the garage where we could find. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Ryan Gibson's an excellent, excellent hitting coach. Um, you know, he helps all of our guys. He's really good at, you know, showing up and, and getting every one of us extra reps outside of practice. And I think that's really what, what sets us apart is all of our, from a hitter standpoint, all of our hitters, we always spend time outside of practice working on our craft, you know. Um, and everybody's different, you know. We, The fundamental parts of the swing are all pretty much the same, but everybody gets to that point a little differently, you know. And I think a lot of us really take that extra time outside of practice, which is what, you know, separates us from, from some average team to being a great team. Ryan, one of the things the coaches, Gippy himself, I think, said in, when I asked, you know, I kind of talked about every guy on the roster and different things. One of the things he said about you, amongst other things, though, but one was that your zone discipline, that your sense of, you know, pitches to lay off, pitches to attack and all of that has improved a lot. Do you feel that, too? Is that right? 
And if so, how does that then translate if, if that's something you had indeed worked on? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's something that, that I'm always working on. You know, it's really just committing to your plan. Um, a big thing with that, that helped Adley a lot was just committing to a spot. You know what I mean? Like set your sight down in a way, and then you just react to the pitches that come to you. But, yeah, you know, r- really all it is is taking an approach and really sticking to it and being confident in it, you know, Um the biggest battle in baseball is just believing in yourself, I think. But, uh, but yeah, you know, and your approach changes based on the situation, the type of pitcher is on the mound. But, you know, you really just, just got to be, be confident in what you're doing and set your sights where, you know, where the situation dictates. We're visiting with the Pac-12 Player of the Week, Ryan Ober of the Beaver baseball team. I've got a couple of other quick things, and John's got a, a few more, and we'll turn you loose. We appreciate you taking time for us. Ryan, in terms of an approach, you've given everybody's tipped their cap to Jordan Wicks. Out of the gate, he was sharp, he was good, he was tough. In a learning type, if you had a chance to face him again, I mean, maybe I'm sure within games and with that bats, oh, okay, you're trying to make adjustments. If you saw him again, what do you think an adjustment, if you could give us an example, might be with a guy like him? Yeah, he's he's got a plus-plus changeup. You know, that was in all the scouting reports. So if I were to see him again, I'd probably get up in the plate and, you know, look for a changeup away. Because um, his heater, you know, it's 90, 92. Uh, it's a good heater, but it's not going to beat you. So I would probably sit on a changeup away. Um and yeah, I mean, just just take that pitch away if I can, because that that was his out pitch, you know. That <laughs> I think I struck out twice on his changeup, so that's probably the one that I would focus on next time. Yeah, if there were to be next time. Yeah, and the and you do. There are times. I mean, I'm sure Arkansas after game, after the championship game in '18 in Omaha. What more could they say except, well, we tip our cap to their guy, Kevin Abel, right? I mean, there are certain games. Ryan, for the hitter, hitting's the toughest thing to do in sport. There are just times, right, really, in games yeah. where the guy beats you. I mean, I don't want to say Jordan Wicks, you wouldn't have better success the next time around. I think you would. But what Abel did to Arkansas, what what Kevin and other pitchers have done, there are times you do have to tip your cap, right? Right, yeah, that's, that's baseball. You know, that's why we play so many games, because one game doesn't really tell – you know what a, a team can do. You know, anybody can beat anybody on on any given day. So, if, if some starter has his best stuff, you know, sometimes you just got to tip your tip your cap to him. You know, yeah. Ryan Ober, our guest. Hey, I want to ask you about Sunday. It was the one day out of the four that you played first base. Now you're solidly in at second, but there's a lot of uh, guys that can do different things. And I know in early parts of the season, coaches like to move some players around to see who can do what. And who can do what where? And and you you were moved over to first. How was the experience? And then of course you went back to your regular spot on Monday. Uh, yeah, you know I, I played a lot of first uh, back in 2019, so it really it felt really familiar. You know I'm, I played third base too a little bit in 2020 for <laughs> what portion of the season we had. So you know I I've played a lot of positions and I'm. You know, I'm comfortable moving around to get other bats in the lineup. That's that's sort of the plan right now, I think. You know, we just kind of want to 
get bats and line up and I'll just play wherever they need me to play. You know, I, I feel confident really anywhere. So whatever the team needs, that's, that's what I'm here for. And, and how about your relationship with Army? When, when you guys are working in that position together, do you know his moves? He knows yours because he's sensational at shortstop, had a great weekend defensively, and uh, you did as well at second base. Tell us a little bit about that relationship. Yeah, man, I, I love Army. We hang out a lot outside the field. Um, we play catch every day. Uh, you know, we're always taking wraps up the middle together. When we're doing mass ground balls, we always make sure that we're turning double plays together. Um, you know, we actually played in the Northwoods League. I want to say it was 2019 summer. Feels like forever ago now. But, <laughs> but yeah, and so we, we hung out pretty much every day. Uh, shared a host family down there. So we've gotten to know each other real well. Um, I love that dude, and he's he's the man. You know, I, I feel lucky to be up in the middle with him, really. But uh, but yeah, no, we're we're we know our moves, we know what we can do, we communicate all the time. So uh, yeah, I I die for that dude. Ryan, quick thought, if you would. I've heard a lot of things about the Northwoods League, and certainly the Cape Cod League. We consider the West Coast League out here the the Cape Cod of the West, so to speak. In that Midwest area where you were in in Rochester, uh, with in the Northwoods League with the Hunkers, what was the level of ball like there? What what was it like? Because you've been in the West Coast League with Victoria as well. So how would you compare the leagues? Well, I think the those three leagues that you named the Cape Cod, the Northwoods, and the West Coast are probably the three most dominant league summer leagues in the country. Um, you know, of course, you're going to get your superstars in the Cape, but I, I really think that guys in the Northwoods, they, they're just as good, you know. Um, a lot of times that's when stars arise. Mm-hmm. They maybe, like, didn't get opportunities for their with their college teams, but they're able to play every day in the Northwoods and really, like, prove what they can do, you know. So I think it's a really good opportunity for guys that, you know, maybe didn't get that opportunity with their with their college team. That, that happened to me actually. I you know I didn't really play much in 2018, but I went to Victoria and had a really really good summer. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of stars arise over over those summers and those leagues. Yeah, I remember remembers being up in Victoria, and thank you for the help with with our broken down car, oh, yeah. whatever it is. You remember? <laughs> I think you you found a way to charge. We'd left our lights on, and you go, or we left our keys. Something happened, and you got us help. So thank you for that for bailing us out in Victoria <laughs> yeah, no back problem. back in the summer of eighteen. Ryan Ober, our guest on the uh, Joe Beaver Show. Ryan, I, I don't, I I know this can be a little bit sensitive to ask this, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. The sense of a vibe or a sense of the clubhouse and just the confidence and level. For you guys last year to have the start to the year, it wasn't what you would all hope to be when the season got shut down. But I'm hearing from people that there's just a completely a fresh and new vibe around everything. I think the weekend, the way you played, showed it. But could you give us a little sense of just from year one to year two now with Mitch and the new coaches and all of that, how you guys all feel about about going from last year to where you are now? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think it really stems from the coaching staff and the older guys sort of building relationships over this last year. Um, you know, it's always hard for a new coach to come in his first year. Um, you know, and Mitch is so awesome. He's 
is just like another case, you know, I, I think. And, uh, you know, after, after spending a year with us, we've gotten on the same page and the communication is really good. And the other thing is our at-bats in the fall have been way, way better than they were the fall last year. Um, so I think that, that was the first sign that, that this is a completely different team, you know, and our, our staff is unreal. Like they, they were good last year, but they got even better somehow this year. And the fact that we were able to, to get hits off them in the fall, it kind of told us like, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to be a solid team this year. And, you know, we, we got new guys this year. And I think that they really contributed to the culture here that we've, that we've built at Oregon State over the years. And, and Mitch is the epitome of, of that, of that culture, you know, and I, I think we're really just all on the same page we're all really confident, you know, and I, I think I think this could be a really good good year for us. Yeah, you talk about the staff, and one thing that's kind of overlooked is Mitchell Verberg coming back after two years off. What a great story that is, and he just adds so much more depth in the in the pen. Yeah, I Verb's an awesome dude. He's been working his butt off the last two years to get healthy, and I'm I'm really excited to see him back out in the mound. Uh, I'm always really confident when he goes out there. You know, he usually has quick innings, which is really good for us, and I'm I'm really proud of how far he's come, and I'm excited to see what he does this year for us. This is the last thing. We appreciate your time, but hitting, and you're the Pac-12 Player of the Week for your, for your big weekend, the home runs, Ryan, what are they a function of? In ter- you talked about your approach and the swing and zone discipline and all the things you've worked on. But to drive a grand slam homer, your second of your career to hit another home run down there, what are those of that type of power exploit? I'm not asking you to say you're going to go Conforto on everybody this year necessarily or Adley in terms of numbers, but there is power there. There's some some real power there. What do home runs for you and your approach to the game? Where where do those kind of come from in your your approach as a hitter? You know, I, I think the count, the the pitch count sort of dictates uh, what I'm trying to do with the baseball. You know, when I get ahead in the count, like 2-0, 3-1, mm-hmm. that's when I really look for a heater over the plate to do some damage with. You know, um, I'm an aggressive hitter. It's, it's kind of the way I've, I've been raised, so to speak, as a baseball player. But, uh, yeah, I'm always going to try and hunt my pitch early. And if I get ahead, I'll put a good swing on it, you know, um, yeah, that's all I really got yeah. for you, I guess. No, I got it, and I appreciate it. I just know that it, you were not alone, though. There's some guys you feel like up and down the lineup, Ryan, it looks like are, are capable of that. Joe Casey, how about the balls he hit this weekend? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, he's he's dude. He he squats more than our football strength coach, I think. He's, he's a sneaky powerhouse. <laughs> It would have some big power numbers. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Okay. But yeah, Joe. Joe looked good this weekend, and he looked good all fall too. So he was hitting home runs in the fall, and we knew that they translate to the season. So yeah, it's good to see. Yeah, and I look forward to. I know the time's going to come for a guy like Jake Melton too, just based on reports and raw power. There's a little bit of that in him too, from what I hear. Oh yeah, he's he's a strong dude. He he puts balls farther than Adley in batting practice. I swear, but. <laughs> Yeah, he just needs more chances and to build that confidence through, you know, just experience and more at that. So once once he starts, you know, getting playing time under his belt, I think 
the sky's the limit for that kid. He's got some stupid juice. That's good to hear, man. Ryan, it's great yeah. talking to you again. Excited to have yeah. it. Just it must feel great just to be out in the sun <laughs> playing baseball again, right? I mean, are you appreciating it more than ever? Oh, completely. It, it feels like a dream almost. It feels like it's been so long this last year and a half with no baseball, but like win or lose, we're still really just excited to be out there that first day. And, you know, that, that might be contributing. Yeah. That might be contributing to, uh, you know, our, our positive outlook on the season coming up. Enjoy it this weekend. A good team you're playing, but enjoy it. And we're grateful to have you back, Ryan. It's it's just fun to have you and all the guys back. Thanks for taking time for us. Congratulations on the honor, and look forward to following you this weekend. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Ryan Ober, our guest, let's break as we head down the stretch on the show today on 1240 Joe Radio. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain this winter, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for Campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for Campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill and we have more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for cash for campers. I'm Paul. Uh, We've been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com. That's RV, the number four, me, to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at middletonheating.net angry beaver grill is open for covered and heated outdoor dining as well as dinner to go orders tuesday through sunday get the favorites including angry beavers reuben and french dip sandwiches burgers tacos and the gables recipe chicken bisque soup and garlic croutons and don't miss angry beavers friday and saturday night famous gables smoked ribeye steak dinner special angry beaver grill open tuesday through sunday from 3 p.m to 9 p.m for covered and heated outdoor dining in the back of the restaurant and for carry out on 4th street in downtown corvallis angry beaver Thank you for your support. Hey, Beaver fans. Over the past several months, we all have come together to help each other in this COVID struggle. But would you know how to help a family member or a coworker in the time of an emergency? 
Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we teach people the skills to help someone in the time of an emergency. I am currently holding both virtual and in-person classes for CPR and first aid. For more information or to schedule a class, contact me at CPR-Works.com. Go Beavs! It's been enjoyable to visit with the fellows today. Yeah. A couple of the young uh, youngsters... Are we are we good on the yeah, air? Yeah, we're right? we're good. We're going okay, up. Okay, are you getting no, but I mean oh. Um No, we're not. <laughs> but that has nothing to do with us. And we were on up until a few seconds ago. So I got just got a text saying you're off the yeah. air. Have we been? No. You no. Know, because part of the issue, no. I, mean, I don't know how it's like within the last two minutes. Okay, gotcha. But we're back. No. Oh. We're just talking like but, we are on. But are we on the stream? We probably then? are. Okay. We probably are on the stream, so let's just keep going. Okay, we'll keep going and won't I won't engage in Uncle just, Don or Andy Griffith face in the crowd type stuff. And speaking of old films, I'm proud of you. You uh, you locked in on Treasure of the Sierra yeah. Madre last night. Yeah, it was two hours and I wanted to go to bed, but there was eleven minutes left. At 8.30, I wanted to be in bed by 8. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll just finish it out. I liked it. Um, I don't like Bogart. I'm, I'm just not. I think he's overrated. But at the same time, I like the other guy. The other two guys. What Will, Will, Wilford, who was the, the old guy? Walter Houston. Walter Houston. And his son directed it. Now, if you watched it no, I didn't closely know that. enough, there's a... a Kind of a funny exchange early in the film when Bogey keeps hitting up a guy in a white suit. Can yeah. you help a fellow yeah, American right. to a meal? Is that his son? That's the director. Yeah, that's John Houston, the son of right. the old prospector who does a little jig. Wow. So that was a father-son work. I think I said 52. I, I aired it. The film was actually made in 1948. Oh, okay. 48. For the treasure of the Sierra Madre. So that's interesting. Now, I, yeah. maybe I should know this, but did John Houston go on to make big movies? Yes, he did. And yeah. what other famous stuff? Well, uh, I'd have to... It's his best film. The treasure of the Sierra Madre, without yeah. doubt, is his best. I've seen others that he did direct and make. I liked... I, I'm um, losing a couple. One of, I, I think he... I don't have it in front of me. I just know that whenever I've considered Houston's body of work, right. Treasure of the Sierra Madre is, to me, without doubt, his best film ever. Yeah. By the way, since we are off the air, but we're on the stream. But to confirm that we're still on the stream, Dave, would you please just text me and let me know um, that we're still on the stream? Otherwise, we're just talking to ourselves here for these <laughs> last six minutes. But um, we must be because somebody just wrote in on the University Haunted text line. The the guy in the white suit, I that was funny because Bogart's trying to you know hit everybody up and he got caught in his lie. I also liked that they stuck around to wait for for Martin or whoever to come McCormick to come back, and then the guy acts like, "Hey guys," <laughs> it's like, "Well, no, 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 you, you owe us money." I mean, come on, how stupid are we? The fight scene was horrible because there's no. There's no um, audio of anything, and so there's no music or anything right. while they're fighting, and it's just them scuffling. Well, see, now this is why I would disagree with you about it being horrible. The fact that they didn't 
They had a brawl in a in a saloon. Yeah. And the, you know, throwing punt and grappling, it was not well choreographed or orchestrated, but it looked kind of like a a roughhousing slug it out with no music or effects or anything else. I so yeah. I think in that way it worked. Yeah. In in one respect you're right because I'll say that the way it was choreographed, if it was, it looked like the bad guy was going to win the fight. Yes. Because he was winning at the beginning, yes, beating up two guys, and then yeah. you know, <laughs> the one guy grabs his leg. looked like he was biting his leg, and then right. it, it was just odd. But in the end, they, they finished it. And uh, You're right. It was odd, and fight scenes in the old, yeah. in the, the old films aren't always But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great, and... Uh, um, the other guy, I don't know what his Tim name is. Holt. Yeah, Curtin. I don't know if did he do anything after that. Yeah, he he was in the Magnificent Ambersons and and quite a few other. Yeah, things. Yeah, he was but, good. I liked his nothing, character. I mean, Tim Holt never made. I mean, that's the best thing he was ever. Yeah, in, yeah. The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah, it's the best work Walter Houston ever did, and Walter was a great character actor. Played George M. Cohan in uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, he was a great. He was great in elder. this movie. I mean, the way that he he reeled off his lines. That's not easy to do. No, no, he was very. Those good. lines were like he was singing a song. He developed the character well. Yeah, yeah, he had a like a poem for every question they ever asked him. Yeah, he and, and the way he talked about gold and what gold right. can do to a man's soul, and you see it happen to Bogart, the character of Dobbs and Bogart. It's a to and me, then they, the bad guys pour picture. out the gold, not knowing what it is. I'm like, come on, you can't be that dumb. <laughs> no, but oh. and, and Walter Houston's laughter at the end of the film is precious <laughs> when he realizes that the gold that they had labored and given Ten everything months. for had just the dust had all floated back back it, to where it came from. It's a it's a wonderful <laughs> story and film. I'm gonna find this sun follow the sun movie. Kip Kip yeah. uh, wrote in to say it was a good movie. Kip Carlson, thank you, Kip, for the text on the University Honda text line. And there. we are still on, so yeah, that's good. We're on the stream, but off yeah. the air again. Now I heard right, Jason. Did we not see? This is, again, we're talking to each other and over the stream, what remains of it. Right. And thank you for those listening on our live stream. We're off the air right now. But Jason did say there was some work today on the transmitter um, and there might be some outages. Yeah. Actually, That's it was happening, scheduled right? for tomorrow at 2 o'clock to do kind of a one-time fix-it preventative fix it thing and maybe they decided to go today i don't i don't know and i think we're coming back now yeah we're, we're coming back online and then we went away so there's some adjustment being going on there's only a minute and a half left in the show so the timing is pretty good but, but thank um, you kip for the text yeah on follow the sun yeah follow it's the not sun. a film i've ever seen but glenn ford plays hogan that's all i know mm -hmm. and that hogan story is one of the great comeback stories in the history of sport there's a lot of good movies that get made sometimes just for quote-unquote for tv that are really hard to find i mean i don't know that i could find big mo mm -hmm. i don't know that i could find um you know what was the uh, something for joey right. some of those old made for tv movies we saw when we were kids in the 70s is brian song readily and easily yeah available? brian song's one you could find anywhere and is that michael legrand yeah, I, and I believe Susie so. Tried to say, I know. Tee it up. You said tee it up. 
Oh, cue it up. Cue it yeah, up. Why did you get, uh, because you were looking for music, you said, this yeah. morning with Doug. Find some music of a, somebody celebrating a birthday. And Susie wrote in something to the effect of, I don't know whether it's true, but she thought it's it was his, Michael Legrand's birthday. It is. Actually, she was correct on do, that. Did he write and do Love Story? The theme for that? Uh, I I don't know, but I know that song. It's yes, very famous. I'll have to look that I one up it too. Might have been. It could have been him, but Brian's but, song was one of the early songs as a teenager. I taught myself how to play on the piano. As soon as you hear the first note, you oh, start yeah. crying. I know it's, it's awful. unbelievable. We recently watched it too. It's oh. awful. It's awful in a great way. Oh. All right, ten seconds, Doc. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the live stream. We hope we're back on we the are back on right radio now. tomorrow for a full show, which includes Todd McKim and A.J. Stewart. All set, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240. Joe.